Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Good afternoon. It is 109 here in the heart of the Crescent City. I'm your guest host on the Scoot Show. My name is Ian Hoke. I am the senior studio producer of Scoot on the Air and the assistant brand manager and program director here at WWL Radio. Scoot has taken the week off. He's going to get some very well-deserved time on vacation. I hope he finds a way to relax. Scoot, if you're listening right now, stop. Turn it off. Go listen to The Cure or something. Man, you got to go take this time to, to relax, restore yourself a little bit. You know, he never took any time off over the holidays, so he's he's been working really hard for a long time. So he's going to get a little R&R, and meanwhile, it's just me and Coleman keeping it, uh, keeping it real, keeping it right here with you. I got a pretty interesting show lined up, if you heard the handoff with Newell. You already know we're going to start out uh, talking about the Alabama Supreme Court decision. That ruled that frozen embryos, blastocysts, I think, is another way to describe them. But nobody says blastocysts because it's uh, too dorky. But uh, the Alabama Supreme Court, that those embryos that are used in in vitro fertilization are actually people. And they are causing clinics now. That decision is causing IVF clinics across the state to stop treatment. Now, there are families in Alabama who are at, you know, in some phase of IVF treatment who now that that stopped. Those people are trying to make babies. They're trying to have families. And right now they're not able to, and I'm not sure what's going to happen next. I talked about this a little bit with scoot last week. Does this go to the Supreme court? Could it be overturned somehow? Could the Alabama legislature jump out in front and say, uh, you know, we're going to pass a new law that specifically says frozen embryos 
uh, do not have the same rights as full-grown human beings. I don't know how that's going to work with their um, the, the sort of whole pro-life bent of Alabama. You know, they're they're very serious about the personhood movement and protecting the lives of the unborn. And that's all well and good. But I don't think this is quite what they expected to be dealing with. I want to ask uh, a guest that I have coming on, you know, what's going to happen next? Is this going to go to the Supreme Court? The entire third party fertility industry in Alabama is now just upside down. They don't know what to do. And I wonder if other similar lawsuits in other states may end up in front of Supreme Courts, state Supreme Courts that say the same thing. And will there be other states that follow this trend line? So uh, in just a few moments here, I'm going to speak to David Schultz. David Schultz has been on the show with us before. He's a professor of law and political science at Hamline University in Minnesota. We did get a bit of good news out of Alabama today, reading now from AL.com. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall's office has, quote, no intention of prosecuting IVF clinics or families who use the procedure to have children. General Marshall, Attorney General Marshall, has no intention of using this decision as a basis for prosecuting IVF families or providers, while the state says it has no plans to prosecute IVF providers or families. Those entities could still be held liable for wrongful death in civil suits which is how we got here. If you didn't hear exactly how we arrived at this moment, uh, a, a patient at one of these IVF clinics in Alabama managed to wander into the part of the facility where they keep these embryos in, you know, freezers. And that person who was not an employee, not a doctor, not a technician, or anyone who was trained in the handling of trays of frozen embryos, dropped a tray of frozen embryos on the ground and those embryos are no longer viable. And of course the families that those embryos belong to are extremely upset about this. This is an expensive treatment. It's emotionally taxing. It takes a long time. And they're suing the clinic for wrongful death for those embryos. And this got all the way up to the Alabama Supreme court who overturned the lower court ruling and says, Nope, those little frozen embryos are people. And just as if they were, infant children, the families that were patients at this IVF center have the right to sue the clinic for a wrongful death. So the Alabama attorney general says he's not going to be prosecuting anybody, but those entities could still be held liable in civil suits in the exact same way that this case has transpired. So I'm, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. And the guest that I have coming up isn't a doctor either. But you can begin to see why this is worrisome, very problematic, not only for the clinics, but for the patients. The people who are coming in and undergoing this treatment. If something goes wrong, either in the fertilization or the implantation of those embryos, and that embryo goes from being viable to not viable, you just committed a murder, basically. Interesting stuff. Well, we're going to get uh, we're going to get more information from uh, Professor Schultz at Hamline University about these sort of legal implications of uh, of all of that. I'm also going to talk about in the two o'clock hour, just to lighten things up a little bit. What is vocal fry? Even if you don't know what vocal fry is, you've definitely heard of it. And if you're a woman and you use vocal fry, it might be costing you dearly in the workplace. Vocal fry 
there, see, I've just begun to do it just a little bit when you kind of have this, uh, this like chopping sound. Like if I say, hey, Coleman, what did you do this weekend? Well, okay, clearly. We knew that was going to be the answer, but I was, I'm just trying to use vocal fry. I don't know. I think I'm not that good at My register is already quite low, so it's hard for me to, to try to create a vocal fry effect without trying to sound like a, you know, a, a big booming voice from the sky or something like that. Anyway, at 2.20, I'm going to talk to a speech pathologist from the LSU Health New Orleans about uh, what vocal fry is, who uses it, in what context they use it, and how society reacts. When I said earlier that you may not know exactly what vocal fry is, but you probably know it when you hear it. And I bet our, our, uh, our guest, Rachel Fiore, a speech-language pathology instructor at LSU Health New Orleans, will have some good examples for us. I, in putting together the, the research for this conversation, I, of course, couldn't help but think about uh, Alicia Silverstone in Clueless, who, you know, that was the kind of beginning, uh, I think, of um, Americans being generally aware of what young women in Los Angeles sound like, that sort of valley girl affectation, which has both vocal fry, but also it has a lot of upspeak, where every sentence that you say begins and it ends with, it's like everything's a question, even things that aren't a question, like, I went to the store, and I bought some bananas, and a couple heads of artichoke, that's up speak. Yeah. There, that's the spirit. You've got it, Coleman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, up speak and the vocal fry are two different things, but I, I think I'm not doing a good job of, of demonstrating the vocal fry. Uh, maybe somebody with a, a higher register could do a better job of that. But I know Rachel Fiore, our guest at 220, is going to have a great example of vocal fry for us. And then something really fun at 320, um, Scoot and I spoke also last week a little bit about these uh, the Taylor Swift prayer candles. You know, we're not going to get through a, a day on the Scoot Show without uh, talking about Taylor Swift. So... This local candle maker makes these votive candles, these prayer candles, right? And she makes them with all kinds of different people. And just so happens that there were some that had Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey on them. And the, the candle makers here in New Orleans, but she sells all over the country. And there's a little store in Wisconsin. And what's the name of that town? I don't know. Some t it's in my notes over here. I'll get it later. But there's a little town in Wisconsin that has... Uh, a store that's selling these candles, and uh, there's a protest. Some people protest it, and they say, this is blasphemy, uh, this is the devil's work, um, and we, we don't want people buying these candles. And there was a, a big to-do about it, and the local media got all wound up. And then the candle maker uh, posted a sort of response on her TikTok and Instagram accounts that I thought was pretty captivating. It was a pretty interesting way of uh, describing what happened to her and the way that she felt about people protesting her candles. We tracked her down. Her name is Steph Kaufman. She's the founder and owner of Luminary and Company. And we're going to be speaking to her at 320 about her celebrity prayer candles. And, of course, I got to mention, because I've been seeing these candles around forever, in particular in bars where people go to watch football games. And I've seen a million Drew Brees prayer candles. And Derek Carr prayer candles and Alvin Kamara prayer candles and New Orleans Saints prayer candles. Are those sacrilegious or is it just Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? There's like blood in the water. People sense. OK, 
Great. Thank you so much. All right. So that and much more is coming up. I want to go right now to Chris Miller's in the newsroom. Chris, what's going on? Uh, Ian, just wanted to let you know, Causeway Northbound is closed and probably will be for about another 45 minutes because of a crash. Uh. Causeway officials tell us they don't believe anyone was hurt, but it is a significant enough wreck that they've got the northbound bridge closed. You know, probably through the end of the hour. Okay, so if you're heading to the North Shore, do not attempt to take the causeway. Find another way around. There you go. Okay, thanks, Chris. Keep us updated as more develops on that. I'll uh, keep reminding folks as I'm able. We'll step away here, Coleman, and we'll come back with our guest, David Schultz. Again, professor of law and political science at Hamline University. Alabama's Supreme Court has ruled that frozen embryos are people. What in the heck happens next? If you got anything to say about anything I've mentioned so far, may mention in the future. Get in touch on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. That number is, of course, 504-260-1870. That's the place to call. That's the place to text. I'll read 100% of your text messages. I'll reply to as many as I can. And the very best ones, I'll read on the air. So make them count. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot, and I'll be right back after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 124 on a spectacularly beautiful Monday afternoon here in New Orleans. On the text line, I got a text message that says, Hey, Ian, look up what Donald Trump said about the frozen embryos. Thank you for reminding me that. On Truth Social, Donald Trump says, We want to make it easier for mothers and fathers to have babies, not harder. That includes supporting the availability of fertility treatments like IVF in every state in America. Like the vast majority of Republicans, conservatives, Christians, pro-life Americans, I strongly support the availability of IVF for couples who are trying to have a precious baby. 
Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said uh, something similar on what program is he on yesterday? I think it was on CNN. State of the Union. That's right. He said there's some uncertainty lingering this. But candidly, let's go to President Trump. Trump put out a statement that I think a lot of people agree with. And that is a goal that we all kind of want to achieve. We want to make it easier for people to be able to have babies, not make it harder. That is Texas Governor Greg Abbott speaking on CNN State of the Union yesterday. Joining me on the line right now. Welcome back, Professor. Professor David Schultz is a professor of law and political science at Hamline University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Good afternoon to you, sir. Thank you very much for having me, and it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. If you would, um, I think I've I've tried to do the best I can, but just from your perspective, can you provide an overview of this Alabama, I keep saying Alabama, but that's not a state, the <laughs> Alabama Supreme Court ruling and the role that Chief Justice Tom Parker played in delivering the majority opinion? Okay, so a couple things here. So first off, what was at issue here was a, a law that goes back to 1872 um, that, that made it possible for parents to be able to sue somebody for, for wrongful death of a child, which, which sounds innocent enough of itself. Right? What this question was all about was that there was a clinic that was supposedly storing these frozen embryos. And just for clarification, these are you know eggs that had already been fertilized um, at, at this point uh, but hadn't been implanted. And I'll just simply say they were negligent. They were negligent, and apparently somebody broke in, destroyed some of these embryos, and the parents sued under this law saying, hey, you were negligent, you destroyed, or let, you let somebody destroy these embryos, which means, you know, well, anyhow, we, lo- we lost something. So the majority says that, yes, we believe that a frozen embryo um, is a person um, un- under under Alabama law, not under the U.S. Constitution, under Alabama law. And therefore, these parents can go forth and sue this clinic. Um, the chief justice um, goes even further. And this is the part that I think is exceedingly controversial. He starts talking about. Um, basically invoking God, Christianity, talking about how in the eyes of God, these these embryos, even though they're not implanted in the universe, even though they're not growing at this point, they also are persons too. So that's that's the core. That's the core of really what was going on in the case. Okay, great. I want to ask you more about Justice Parker um, and his history of invoking religion in his rulings a little bit later, but the first thing that uh, that Scoot and I thought about yesterday when the story broke, it, what happens next, uh, both in Alabama and perhaps in other states or the United States Supreme Court? Are there concerns about similar rulings impacting IVF on a, on a broader scale? What, what are the immediate short-term consequences of this beyond just that these families aren't going to get their treatments? Right. Well, right now it's confined just to Alabama under Alabama law in terms of this peculiarity of that statute and the way it was interpreted. But but nothing would be impossible um, for, let's say, other states to pass laws that say that an embryo, a, a fertilized embryo, um, is a person and therefore is, is, is also protected in the eyes of the law. And the reason why this becomes important now IVF. Now, remember, I'm a Ph.D. I'm not an M.D. So if any M.D.s right. out there want to correct me, you know, please, 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 please do so. But oftentimes when you fertilize several of these eggs, not all of them work. Not all of them are implanted. Some clinics, let's say they fertilize three or four eggs. They implant one. Maybe a couple of them are disposed of. And so this could affect it because for a lot of the IV treatment, um, IVF treatment, it's, it's a very complex process of trying to get 
Um, fertilization, just because they're fertilized doesn't mean they're going to implant in the uterus and so forth. And that's where you could see other states maybe coming to the conclusion saying, well, yes, we believe that embryos um, are persons, and therefore, if they're destroyed, um, could this be, I'll just speculate, if they are persons, is it homicide? Is it a form of murder? Uh, I mean, that's where it possibly could go. Um, but right now, we're solely looking at this issue um, in Alabama. But but that, I think, is the concern, is could other states take this this sort of belief that life begins at conception, and, and, and where would it go in terms of affecting um, in vitro fertilization? Uh, just, uh, excuse me, Chief Justice Tom Parker, uh, in his concurring opinion, relied quite heavily on on scripture and theology he's directly quoting from jeremiah and from genesis to make his decision is that typical that is, is that a thing that happens often in rulings like this in in courts um not in about 100 years i would say is that go back 100 years ago you might you would see that more common uh, but pretty much i'm going to say post world war 1 let's say modern law um, nobody does that. Judges are supposed to rely upon principles of law and not upon Scripture and not upon um, any kind of revelations from God or Jeremiah in terms of the, the basis of their decision. And so this is this would put it at an enormous outlier in terms of what would be considered to be mainstream and acceptable legal analysis in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the, the backlash to this has been, I think, swift. And it's just like I pointed out at the beginning of the segment, even two of the most conservative leading figures in the country, Greg Abbott and Donald Trump, have come out and said, this is this is not good. We're not we don't want to do this. And I think they probably sense correctly that this is a major political liability for Republicans headed into the general election in 2024. So maybe they're thinking about it in in that way. But then there's other people um, in in some different circles in the Democratic Party and other places that are that are throwing around the word theocracy. And I think people listening generally understand what that is suggestive of. But in your view, what does that mean? Practically speaking, what does a theocratic government actually look like day to day? Yeah, if it's if it's really a theocratic government, it means a government where where religion rules, where there's not a separation of church and state, where religious principles dictate, let's say, um, what the law is or what, what I would call public policy or, or, or interpretations of the, of the Constitution. Um, so that's what the theocracy would be. Now, remember, again, it's the majority opinion does not do that. It's the chief justice who does that. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I think there are still concerns um, for lots of people on all, on all different spectrums that if you want to, if you really care about I guess um, helping families, helping people you know, raise children or, or, or give birth to children, uh, you support in, in vitro fertilization. But also, for many of us who just sort of want to say, you know, government, keep your nose out of my life. You know, um, I, I think that's what people are concerned about here too. But but certainly, this is bringing together an unusual coalition of of let us say conservatives and liberals. Um, um, In one way, but obviously, as you pointed out, too, it's also bringing together an unusual um, set of chorus in a a political way, you know, Republican, Democrat, you know, conservative, liberal. So it cuts in very, very fascinating ways um, in terms of what happened. Okay, great. Uh, Parker, I reading a little bit more about him. He served as an assistant attorney general under Jeff Sessions. Remember that guy? He was also Mm -hmm. an aide to Roy Moore. Can you tell us a little bit about how these 
past roles and associations might shape his approach to these legal decisions and his stance on issues in particular as they relate to reproductive rights? Well, certainly both Sessions and Moore um, were, were clearly um, um, pro-life. And in the case of Moore, Moore um, regularly invoked um, um, the Ten Commandments and Scripture also um, when, you know, when he was involved in Alabama politics. And I suspect um, what the Chief Justice has done has been very heavily influenced by both of these figures. And that is clearly a strain in in Alabama politics, where 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 Christianity, Christian religion, um, is 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 a very powerful force, and has influenced debates about, let's say, prayer in public schools, um, abortion, um, LGBTQ issues, mm-hmm. and, and now I think where it becomes interesting is in terms of how it's it's almost like a collision course going on here right now. That to say you're pro-life says that, you know, life begins at conception. But at the same time, if you're pro-life, don't you want to be helping families, mm-hmm. as, as your governor, as, you know, as, as Governor Abbott said and so forth, to be able to make it possible for families to be able to, uh, to you know, to bring children to birth if they're having difficulty. So there's almost like this internal what? contradiction now coming out here that's come to a head in this case. Just one more for me, Professor, and then I have a couple uh, texts coming in from the audience on the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and Text Line. That is, of course, 504-260-1870. Alabama Supreme Court judges are elected, not appointed. So we can only guess that Alabama voters knew a decision like this might be a probable outcome in a case like this. But the backlash, like I said earlier, it seems pretty huge. And it seems like it's coming from many different corners of the political spectrum um, to include conservative Christians. Um, do you think Alabama voters may have a case of buyer's remorse here? They might very well, because from what I can tell, and I haven't seen public opinion polls in Alabama, but if what we're seeing nationwide is accurate, I suspect even within Alabama, even if you did a survey there, a poll there, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I bet way more than 50 percent of the population, probably even much higher, um, is, is, is opposed to this decision um, in terms of saying, wait a minute, you're going to make it harder for me to do this. Uh, you, know, you can't do that. So so I, I, I suspect and I don't know when he's up for reelection against um, any of the justices, but especially uh, the chief justice. Um, I suspect this is going to be an issue um, that's going to be used in, a, in an elected judicial campaign down in Alabama. Uh, Chief Justice Tom Parker's a lame duck. His term ends uh, next year, and state law in Alabama prohibits judges older than 70 from being elected. So this is kind of his swan song, maybe his kind of Hail Mary. He's setting himself up for whatever the next phase in his life is. He can turn to uh, activists, uh, groups, donor political organizations, say, look what mm-hmm. I delivered for you. Um, also, like I, I would hate to end this conclusion by not uh, mentioning that he made an appearance on this like QAnon podcast uh, mm-hmm. and suggested, you know, he's a big fan of the Seven Mountains mandate, which holds it, you know, he, he's calling for a theocracy. There's just no really other way to put it. He says, right. sure, sure, conservative Christians should be in charge of everything: the the government, entertainment, media, education, healthcare, mm-hmm. at all. Um, and I do have a, an opinion column here from John Archibald writing at AL.com. The headline is Alabama Supreme Court is a theocracy. I've got a couple texts here I would like to get to you, Professor. Here's one that says, I would like to see somebody test the Alabama decision as soon as possible relative to are the parents 
of this frozen embryo entitled to government benefits, such as welfare, et cetera, because this frozen embryo is now a person. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I was going to say over the weekend, you know, I do a blog and and I kind of sort of, you know, wrote out and said that, OK, if if if, if embryos are persons now in Alabama, what are the possibilities here? And, for example, you know, you know, do you have to get a Social Security number for it? You know, is it um, in, in 18 years? Is it eligible to vote? Um, is it uh, I'm trying to think what at age 16? Can it can it you know get a driver's license, whatever the age is like that? But, you know, you're getting at an exactly good question here, because if you're now defining um, life begins at conception with with these with these embryos and some of these embryos could be frozen 5, 10, 15 years or something like that. Let's just pick a date. Let's say 10 years ago it was frozen or something. So now when it's given birth, when it's born, is it now 10 years old? Is it 10 and a half? You know what I'm getting at here. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it just raises all these really, you know, you know, you know, quite odd questions, you know, because I remember many years ago, there was another state that wanted to say life begins at conception and a bunch of 18 year old, no, was it 20 year olds in three months and people 61 years old, three months sued the state and said, well, I'm actually nine months older than I am now. Um, therefore, I get to drink. Cause I'll be tw- I'm 21 <laughs> and I get to collect Social Security. So it, it opens up these kind of, I'm, for lack of a better word, absurd results. Here's a text that says, okay, so they ruled the embryos as a person. What's the problem? I'm not getting why liberals are butthurt. Explain the connect between it being ruled a life and it causing a problem with in vitro. I'm not seeing the connection. Well, the, the connection is at this point is that is that if other states do rule um, or even Alabama sticks to this ruling that say it is a person, it opens up some of the scenarios that I'm, I'm raising here just in terms of, uh, well, so w- 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 when, is, when is it actually a person? You know, um, how old is it? Is it eligible for certain types of benefits? What are some of the requirements for it? But it also raises, I think, from a, from a science point of view question here is that, uh, again, remember, I'm not an MD, PhD, you know, but lots of lots of women become pregnant, um, but the the embryo um, the, um, doesn't 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 you know affix to the uterus mm-hmm. and it's it's miscarried or something like that. Again, I'm probably not describing it correctly, but you know what I'm getting at here. Um, um, is that are are we giving it now a status as a person um, in ways that it might not survive? I mean, it, and it, but also this raises a whole bunch of questions now in terms of I don't know um, our parents if they freeze an embryo but don't decide to use it and don't bring it to birth can they be arrested for what um, right. child abandonment exactly. or something yeah. uh, i mean these, i mean these these i know they sound it almost sounds like a ridiculous conversation we're having but i think those are the, the scenarios out there no i think you're exactly right i don't think it's that ridiculous i don't think that the the clinicians are thinking about what well, what happens in 18 years or does it get social security benefits? they're thinking we cannot continue to provide this service Mm-hmm. If something goes wrong, we're going to get sued into oblivion. No, we're, we won't be able to get insurance. We won't be able to do business. Yeah. So we're going to go find another line of work. And now yeah. nobody gets in vitro fertilization and countless numbers of families that really want to have babies cannot do it. But you're absolutely right. Again, what I understand um, is that this is this is not easy to do. And I think there's like there's a lot of um, 
difficulty in actually still, you know, getting a successful implantation, bringing to birth, et cetera, et cetera. And you're right. You know, if somebody makes a mistake, errors or something like that, are they on the hook for what? Homicide at this point mm-hmm. or some type of, 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 of civil lawsuit. Um, now, do, do I agree in the situation here that these clinics were negligent and they should have done a better job protecting the embryos? Absolutely correct. Really? I don't yes. know about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I stand be- yeah, I stand behind. And if I, you read the fact pattern here, apparently somebody broke into their clinic or something and just destroyed a bunch of those what, test tubes, however it's done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope the clinic pays dearly for that. Um, they, and they should. Um, Agreed. But, but, but in terms of helping people try to give birth or b- give birth to children when they might not be able to otherwise, I think this creates a huge disincentive. Mm-hmm. My guest is professor of law and political science at Hamline University, David Schultz. Professor, thank you for your time. You're working your way. Have a great afternoon. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. Well, we'll talk again soon. We'll come back and we'll get to some of your phone calls. I see Irwin, Rashard, and Mary on the line. There's room for a couple more. Give me a call. 504-260-1870. What's your reaction to what you just heard? Do you worry that this could happen in our community? Do you worry that there might be people out there, potential litigants, who want to have this conversation so that we don't get IVF anymore? That's not a a service that's available in our communities? Or is it more like what Professor Schultz said, that this is just a sort of weird fluke because of that, uh, that old statute in Alabama state law could that be replicated somewhere else? I don't know. I want to hear from you. Like I said, give me a call. I got room to take uh, take more of your comments. I'm Ian Hoke in for Scoot. I can't wait to talk to you more about this. But first, we'll step away and take care of some business. Ian Hoke. On the Okanagan Jewelers talking text line, here's a text that says, Ian said a patient wandered in to where the embryos were being stored, but his guest said somebody broke into where they were being stored. I think the clinic should be responsible for security, but was it a patient who accidentally got in or a determined criminal who intentionally broke in? The lawsuit, actually, that was brought by the couples alleged that a patient, quote, managed to wander into a fertility clinic through an unsecured door, removing several embryos and dropping into the floor. So I just wanted to clear that up. This was not like... A guy in a, you know, a ski mask and wearing the black and white striped shirt who like snuck in through the window and knocked over a refrigerator full of embryos. It was a patient just went in through a door that wasn't locked and broke test tubes. I don't know. That's kind of all we know about it. Let's go to Irwin on line one. Irwin, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon. And to you. Uh, we got to go. To, we got to go to the Tenth Amendment on this uh, called the States' Rights Amendment. Power is not delegated to the U.S. by the Constitution or reserved to the states and respectively to the people. And this is the issue we have with some states are tough on abortion, some aren't. Some states are tough on gun control and try to regulate it, some aren't. Some states have legalized marijuana, some haven't. So you have to understand the forefathers were concerned about uh, possibly a king being in charge of America. They were concerned by George Washington, you know, mm-hmm. that he might act like a king and have all the, the powers. So they, they delegated a lot of powers back to the states. And that was the only thing with Roe versus Wade with me was uh, basically, you know, these are state powers until we amend the Constitution. So basically it's getting to a point where if you live in a certain state, you know, embryos are going to be protected. You're going to have abortion. You're going to have 
gun control or not. You can have legalized marijuana or not. But again, it all reverts back to the, the state's rights amendment, which is called the 10th Amendment of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And it probably needs to be amended. I'll give it to you. Well, thank you very much for your comments, Irvin. Yeah, uh, I can certainly appreciate that this is a state's rights issue. It's kind of always been that way. I mean, abortion care specifically is a state's rights issue. I, I can't be sure that the Alabama legislature of their own volition would go out and say that, hey, uh, frozen embryos are actually people who are deserving of every uh, you know right as, as, a, as a walking, talking human. Um, so, yeah, we are going to see a kind of patchwork of laws, at least in the immediate future. It is certainly possible that in Alabama, a frozen embryo is a person. And in Mississippi or Georgia, it's not. Let's go to Richard in New Orleans. Richard, you're on the air. Good afternoon. Man, once I heard all this, man, uh, first of all, um, I want to say thank God. I, I don't have anything. I just come from the um, doctor earlier, and I took my colonoscopy, and everything went fine. So that's good. my first time taking it. That's good I news, everybody to take it. If you, yes, so I'm okay on that. So, for you. Um, however, this religious in politics, you got to stop mixing because it never was intended to mix. That's what this is all about. We have a radical extreme Supreme Court led by Uncle Thomas and Stelson uh, McCrib, Samuel Alito. Now, you come to the state. Everything is states' rights, like they say, abortion, gun bills, until it's not states' rights, guns, and abortion bills, as you understand what I'm saying, because the Supreme Court is all over the place, and they are ruled by yeah, you're right. They're being theocratic. They, they, they're ruling by uh, a religious ideology, and that's not how the court's supposed to be. They're trying to talk about the originalists and all this, that, and another. But you best believe, in this is a red state. We got a clown, a political hack, and Jeff Landry, as you can see, this legislative section, this crime thing, getting tough on crime. I'm all, I, I was a criminal. I told you that. Mm-hmm. I'm a former criminal. I went to jail. I've done my time. Guess what? People got good time, got good behavior. If you do not allow people to to, to, to uh, uh, be awarded good behavior while they're locked up, you know there's going to be chaos. They don't know that. I was inside. They what? They not. See, they don't know the real truth. Yeah. Yes, get tough on crime. What does that mean? Throw away, lock people up and throw away keys? We also got corporate crimes that's mm-hmm. going on. We let them get away with murder. Great. You know, no, sure. But at the same token... You know the banana, the the the, the, the banana, um, MAGA Republicans, Agent Orange, down the kind. Donald is. Trump talking about he for embryo protection. Do all this stem from the abortion which he put in motion, and he's proud to say he ended abortion. Richard, let me pause you there, man. Always great to hear from you. Thank you so much. I want to go back to something you said a little earlier about at the beginning of the conversation uh, about the mixing of religion and politics. I think there is a, a good case to be made that this Alabama Supreme Court justice has improperly uh, mixed religion and politics. And it seems like that's been his modus operandi for his entire time uh, in the law. Um, He has always consistently made reference to religion in previous rulings. Um, He's he's uh, like I said earlier, he's he's got this connection to the seven mountain mandate, which is a theory that conservative Christians in America should use. Uh, their power to influence and run government, education, media, among other key areas of our life. Um, I think when we when you think about activist judges, we don't think about judges like this guy. Guy that's been telegraphing for decades how he's going to rule on certain cases because of how they do or do not comport with his personal political beliefs. 
I think we think about activist judges as somebody saying like, well, I'm going to get to the Supreme Court so I can overturn the Second Amendment or I can, you know, lower taxes or whatever. Like we don't ever think about the Alabama Supreme Court is probably stacked with activist judges. And they're elected. So that's what the people want, I guess. Uh, let's go to Metairie for Mary. Good afternoon, ma'am. You're on the air. Hi. Um, I am a conservative Christian, so I just wanted to kind of maybe throw my my viewpoint in here. Um, as one who has had several miscarriages, I do consider that I lost babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe life begins at conception. Um, but I also believe that the church has done a bad job uh, in general of taking care of moms who go ahead and have their baby. So I understand the dilemma. I think that we've been judgmental in that we say, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, mm-hmm. which none of us can do. So I think that if, um, honestly, the churches stepped up and did the job that God calls us to do, um, caring for widows and orphans and, and the moms, and I actually spend my life doing this. We have a, a ministry that actually does this, that helps moms. Um, and dads, because some single dads are out there. Sure. Um, I, I do believe that it's life at conception. We protect bald eagle eggs. Um, if we found a microorganism on Mars, we'd be ecstatic <laughs> that we found life. Yeah. So um, I just think that um, I believe that there is a separation between politics and religion, and the state should, you know, uh, take votes. But I would always support um, the life, but I would support the life beyond birth, not just, mom, you've got to have a baby or please have your baby, but how can I help you? You know, how can I help you get educated or how yeah. can I help you find a job? Like it's got to go further or we're just as Christians doing lip service. Mary, I love this. I love this call. I thank you so much for your work and the way that you're able to articulate what I think a lot of people feel which is that it's 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 difficult sometimes to hear uh, the message coming from uh, pro-life activists who say that uh, the, the unborn baby is the most important thing and we've got to support the babies and we've got to support the babies and babies, babies, babies. But then as soon as the, the baby is born, then it's, you know, you're on your own. And I, I guess that's an ethos if, if you want. But for people who aren't followers of your religion or, or followers of your doctrine, that looks like hypocrisy. We'll step away here and we'll come back with more of your calls and texts on the Oakland Jewelers Talking Text Line. I'm Ian Hoke in for Scoot. He'll be back on Monday. But until then, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. We'll be right back. On the Oakland Jewelers Talking Text Line, here's a text that says, put down the bong. Pot Talk Tuesday is tomorrow. Have you ever thought that blah, blah, blah? There's no founding document that says people of faith cannot advocate for their beliefs or express their faith-based opinions. There's nothing that says faith cannot inform public policy. Nothing. Of course not. I hope that you're not suggesting that I said people can't use their faith to inform their public policy. But when it comes to a point where that becomes in conflict with people's diverse beliefs, equality, inclusivity, pluralism, tolerance, not to mention secular government governance, that's. In my view, that's as important and and deserves our attention and our caretaking. It's what the founding fathers wanted. We'll be back with the 210 News Bomb and then uh, Rachel Fiore. Talk about vocal fry at 220. BRB. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.